I was born with the gift of being frugal. A winning quality for most anybody in the world today, I wager. No doubt an owner-operator, wouldn't you say? That was the voice of Jay Hostie, our Trucker of the Month for April, putting Hostie in the running for Overdrive's Trucker of the Year award. Today on the Overdrive Radio Podcast for May 5th, 2023, we'll be hearing the results of Overdrive News Editor Matt Cole's principal talk with Hostie about his very long history in trucking as an owner-operator, having gotten his start pulling containers around New Orleans, Louisiana, at the age of 19 in 1981. I'm Todd Dills, your host as usual, and though Hostie's naturally frugal nature has certainly served him well during the last year and a half's rising costs, Trucking certainly hasn't been without its challenges, given the squeeze coming from the other side of the revenue and costs profit equation. Yeah, it's hard to come back to reality of, of $2 a mile freight when we were doing $4 a mile freight. Hossie's been leased to Landstar for most of the last two decades, pulling today in a 2006 Western Star that replaced the 2000 model after the truck was destroyed in Hurricane Katrina, when he and his wife, Kat, were living in Gulfport, Mississippi. They lost their house there, too, with a direct hit, and the comeback from that disaster is made all the more remarkable by the family the Hosties have fostered throughout their entire four decades together. We'll hear much more about that in today's edition, likewise a 2022 Western Star day cab that Hosties has been sitting on for a year with plans to outfit the rig with a custom sleeper built to his needs, as he'd done with that 2000 that Katrina sent to the graveyard. That frugal nature he mentioned up top has kept him from moving forward with it to date, given pricing he's gotten from some of the big sleeper manufacturers. For the builders in the audience, he put out this call, too. If there's anybody out there that could lead me in a good direction of getting a custom sleeper built, even, you know, without being going through one of the big three that mm-hmm. take, you know, take an arm and a leg on, on building them, you know, I'm, I'm, inter- I'm trying to find somebody. Reach out to me or Matt Cole directly and we can put you in touch. Alternately, dial into the podcast message line at 615-852-8530 and leave us a callback number. Before we dive into it with Hostie 2, I wanted to highlight an online seminar we've got upcoming on Tuesday, May 23rd, part of a series sponsored by the Best Pass Company. It will dive into the topic of work-life balance over the road as an owner-operator and features two men who've been in those shoes for decades. You can register to attend it live at 1 p.m. Central Time, May 23rd, and or to catch the replay at overdriveonline.com. I'll drop a link to the registration page in the show notes, too. What you'll find there will be strategies to gauge and achieve balance to improve quality of life for yourself and or your operators if you're managing a small fleet. That's whether you're a one-truck owner leased to a carrier or with authority, or a small fleet owner hoping to deliver better balance to drivers and, ultimately, to yourself. Two presenters regular listeners have heard here on the podcast before. Most recently, Innovative Logistics Group founder and managing director Adam Wingfield. You'll recall his rousing, weathering the storm talk at Mid-America Trucking Show we featured here a few weeks back. Likewise, Overdrive 2021 Small Fleet Champ Jason Cowan, founder and leader of Silver Creek Transportation out of Henderson, Kentucky. Wingfield's story in particular of balancing life on the road and the needs of a one-truck business with those of a family back home draws on experiences and lessons learned during the Great Recession and the very difficult conditions, particularly in 2007 and 08. 
It was extremely rough, Wingfield said at that time. The dedicated freight tailed off and he spent more and more time away from his home area. Involvement of the family directly in the business became part of the strategy to keep his home fires burning, so to speak, as he ran the roads to remain profitable. Those experiences have continued to inform Wingfield's work with scads of owner-operators and small fleet owners through the consultancy and carrier services firm he now leads in Charlotte, North Carolina. Callan, for his part, has tailored freight at Silver Creek Transportation with an eye on diversity, helping to meet the home-time needs of drivers employed there, among many other support systems he put in place to help improve quality of life. I'm excited about hearing the full breadth of what comes from it, I'll say. You can be involved, too. There might be a CB in it for you. I've got a Cobra 19 Mini back in the box after a test run you'll remember from earlier in the year. It's been scarcely used only by my trusty 14-year-old assistant, T-Bone. Well, T-Bone, I uh, appreciate you helping me out on this little here. So tell me, what's been your biggest work-life balance issue trucking through the years? What question might you have for Adam Wingfield or Jason Callan at the session? Relay answers to either or both of those questions via our podcast message line. First person to do so will be the new owner of the 19 Mini CB. Dial 615-852-8530 and leave your thoughts on the podcast line. That's 651-852-8530 with your biggest work-life balance challenge through the years. Okay, after the break, we'll dive right in with April Trucker of the Month Jay Hosty and his early career in New Orleans. He's joined by Overdrive News Editor, Matt Cole. Here we go. Every diesel needs to defend against clogged injectors, low lubricity, and slipping fuel economy. The best defense is the best defender. How's Diesel Defender with Advanced IDX4 Detergent? Get a deeper clean, maximum lubricity, and boosted fuel economy. Guaranteed. How's Diesel Defender? Get optimal performance. House for every diesel. You can find more about Diesel Defender at House. That's H-O-W-E-S, houseproducts.com. Started out at, at 19 years old. Didn't, didn't really know a thing about trucking. Never had anybody in my family. So I'm, I'm first generation, but just kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I uh, uh, actually rode in a few trucks just locally, just really just a couple blocks uh, with with a guy like <laughs> he was there getting fuel at a local station. And uh, I asked him, hey, could you give me a ride back to my house? And he said, where's that? I said, oh, it's just, you know, down the street there. And he said, sure. So uh, I, it was in a Kenworth W900 and I was hooked. That was it. You know, he told me. He was going to Nashville, Tennessee, and I said, man, and, and you get paid to bring that there, right? And he said, oh, yeah, that's why I do it. And I, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And, yeah. and that, that was at about 16 years old when I rode in my first truck. 19 years old, believe it or not, I bought my first truck and went straight in as an owner-operator. I bought just a little single-axle gas-burning uh, international to do uh local work with in this in the city of New Orleans just moving containers around and the the fellow that the fellow that I bought the truck from said he could get me the work if I if I uh, didn't mind having to pay my own insurance liability insurance for local operation (laughs) 
like I said, I never had a clue of what I was doing. He just, you know, kind of gave me some contacts, and it all started from there. And that was in 1981 when I was 19 years old. But you know, in those early years, not uh, not really having any um, business experience behind you, what what was that like? Um, you know, how did you adapt to the business? One of the biggest things I say is I was born with the gift of being frugal, <laughs> and. And, and that means that I like saving money, and I just right. like that as a kid. As a kid, you know, I I bought my first motorcycle because my parents said if you can save the money, we'll let you get a, a motorcycle, a dirt bike. And and I saved. I worked, and I saved. I've never had a problem saving money. I'm so I'm kind of still like that. Well, definitely still like that. And um, when I was about, I want to say I was about 17, I I come across and uh, owner operator magazine before over well I don't know if it's before overdrive but I don't know if you remember that it was a Chilton Publishing and it was owner operator magazine and so overdrive was it founded in 1961 so it was in fact around at the time if my memory is correct Randall Riley Overdrive's parent company became the publisher of owner operator in later years in fact I came across one of those. And I was interested, of course, in trucking and being an owner-operator. And they had an article in there about cost per mile. And this magazine, I think it was 1979. Mm -hmm. And I read the article and was just intrigued about how you break everything down by the mile, all your cost. And that stuck with me through my career. You know, I'm real big on per mile. I don't you know, some guys will ask, well, what's a load pay? Well, that really don't tell me anything. I got to know what's it pay per mile. That's what tells me what it is, if it's good or not, you know. But yeah, that, that between that and just being frugal, it's really, I think, helped, helped me succeed in business. Your first job was in New Orleans. Is that where you're from originally? Yeah, I grew up in Chalmette, Louisiana. It's a suburb of New Orleans. Okay. And I started out hauling containers just like I say, locally, just moving them from, from the yard to the port, bringing them for the drivers to take loads out. You know, I'd go turn their trailers in in a day and bring them uh, other trailers back so they'd be on the yard at night for them. And and that was with a company called Brown Transport. They were a big freight company way back then. And they had a, con- a container division in New Orleans. And that's for about the first uh year about first two years that's basically what i did i just ran locally for them i uh i bought my second truck which was a 1970 model freight line of cab over and it was a big step up from that little gas burning single axle mm-hmm. and i was still hauling containers but i'd i'd stretch out a little bit further you know i, I didn't go cross country or anything i'd go like from new orleans to baton rouge pick up a container or load a container bring it back or uh lafayette just kind of in a, a short haul type deal. And that was in, like I say, that was in ni- 1982 when I bought that truck and I ran it for a, a year or so. And then just kind of progressively got into better trucks. And, and the third truck was an international cab over. And that's when I started kind of still with containers, but, but going out a little further. It was a better truck, more roadworthy. And I'd take some Still not cross country, but, you know, stretched out a little further from New Orleans. And Mm -hmm. in 1987, I I traded the cab over and bought my first new truck, brand new. 
and uh I wasn't even really looking. I didn't think I could get a new truck at that time. And and I went in there looking just to trade up in another used truck. And a salesman had this beautiful 1987 International uh, Conventional with a double sleeper, flat top sleeper. And uh, he said, I might be able to put you in that. And I was I couldn't believe it, you know, and he let me drive <laughs> it. And, of course, I fell in love with it, man. And I said, man, if you can put me in that, let's do it. And and he, we worked it out, and I ended up in a brand new truck. That was 1987. I was 24 years old, and my my truck cost more than the house I was living in. You know, <laughs> wow. My dad thought I was crazy. He, my my dad, uh, my my stepdad was actually a New Orleans policeman, and he he thought I was totally out of my mind. <laughs> How long did you hold on to that and truck? Our, uh, 87 to to right up to 93. But one thing I want to say. Just, just to say how things have changed. Pulling containers, brand new truck, seventy-two cents a mile was what we got loaded and empty. That was when we were going by the household movers guide. So Otherwise known as quote short miles, and there's a reason for that. So you were getting ripped off on your miles on every trip, you know. Mm-hmm. His wow. actual miles, it was, he was probably doing more like sixty-five cents a mile, you know. And yeah, I don't, I wouldn't even consider starting my truck up for anything near that right now but you know totally different times back then but but i had a brand new truck and i had some of the uh some of my older uh acquaintances that were owner operators but much older than me said i'd never make it pulling containers with a with a truck payment because i had a uh, i think at that time it was fourteen hundred dollar a month truck payment and and i proved them wrong because I, I paid that truck off in, in, I think, four and a half years. I had a five-year uh, contract on it. I think I paid it off in four and a half, and uh, there I was, still pulling containers, you know? What would you move into when you sold that one? 1993, tra- uh, traded it in for a brand-new Western Star, and I've been in Western Stars now for 30 years. Okay. Um, I had that one. Let's see. The ni- I, that was a 93 model. In 2000, I, I traded it for a 2000 model, and I had a custom sleeper on that one. I lost that one in Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Yeah, it went uh, went underwater basically, and they said it was ruined. And uh, so I got out of it, took the insurance money, and bought a two, brand new 2006, which I am sitting in right now talking to you, and it has 1,438,000 miles on it. And it's a great truck, best truck, longest truck I've ever kept. And I have, uh, it's, it's just been a great truck. I, I have not overhauled the engine. All I've done is injectors. Truck still mm-hmm. runs good. And, uh, yeah, here we are. Wow. Which engine this does it have truck, in it? It has a 60 series Detroit. Okay. And it, it's, uh, this is my, like I said, this is my, third western star they've all had detroits but i've taken this one the the one before this i was planning on making that at least a million mile truck you know keeping it that long and 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 then seeing where i was at then but i lost it in in the hurricane so Mm -hmm. this is uh million four hundred and thirty eight thousand and she's still going so yeah i'm west i'm just a western star guy and uh i actually have a 2022 at home it's a day cab. I ordered it to make it my last truck, and I wanted to do a custom sleeper on it. 
and I'm running into some issues between uh, the price of the custom sleepers has went through the roof mm-hmm. and and the wait time even I'm amazed that even though these things they're actually running about a thousand dollars an inch yeah I was talk I was wanting to do a hundred inch sleeper which is not huge compared to what some people do mm-hmm. and that was going to run me around a hundred grand just for the sleeper yeah I, I'm sitting on the truck I'm not sure what I'm going to do it's I have it it's it's brand new it's a 2022 with 2800 miles on it and uh i i I just can't it's hard as a frugal person it is very hard to justify spending that much money on a sleeper yeah and and that that's that's kind of where i'm at right now but that the plan is for that to be my last truck and oh and besides the price they are still backed up with people putting these sleepers on, on trucks. Like when I, when I was talking to the, the big three sleeper guys, they were all about a year out. They said it'd be a year before we could even start on you. And this, wow. this was a year ago. This was a year ago. I've had, I've owned the truck for over a year now. I'm contemplating. Yeah. What direction it, if I do the sleeper or, or if I set, just sell the truck, keep this truck and, and just refurbish this truck when it needs it. And, and just make this my last truck. I, I'm really not sure what way I'm going to go. I'm actually trying to find somebody who might be interested in trying to build me a custom sleeper, somebody that has some of that knowledge. Um, I did have a, a, a guy that refurbishes Airstream campers, and him and I were talking. He's in Mississippi. Oh, by the way, I live in Mississippi now. I've been a Mississippi resident for about 30, 36 years. And, um, this fellow was interested in it. He came out and looked at the truck. He said, I think, I think I could do this. And I thought we were going to proceed. And, um, when I finally got back with him after the holidays and all last year, he decided it was too much. He was too busy already with his business. And he said it would just take too long. So he backed out on me. So if there's anybody out there that could lead me in a good direction of getting a custom sleeper built, even, you know, without being going through one of the big three that mm-hmm. take up, you know, take an arm and a leg on, on building them. You know, I'm, I'm in a, I'm trying to find somebody. I always, when I started buying new trucks, well, the first few, I didn't really think about putting a million miles on them, but by the, by the 2000 model, I thought I want to keep a truck a million miles if I can, without having to overhaul it. And then, and then looking at, at where I'm at, and then I'll make my decision. Do I want to, you know, trade it in by another truck? Well, the the truck that I lost in Katrina, that that was going to be the truck to do that with, because I, I I ordered it as a day cab and put put a. Uh, it was only an 80 inch custom sleeper, but at that that was an 80 inch that had uh, a back door on it, had the windows in the sides like you see in all the sleepers now, mm-hmm. and uh, had the had the the. In other words, it was, I had a little sink in there, a countertop. I didn't have a shower, um, but it was, it was customized for me. And I really wanted to have that to be a million mile truck. Well, when the, I had 665,000 miles on it when the storm hit, so I wasn't quite there. It was still running good and everything. So when I got this truck, I said, well, I guess this will be my million mile truck. Well, when, when I got it to a million miles, 
is still doing really good. So I don't have a set business plan where I say like, okay, at this, at a million miles, I'm getting rid of the truck. Mm-hmm. This truck was still doing so good to me. And, and I felt like, man, I don't want to get rid of this truck. It's, it's, it's doing great. So really right now I'm, I'm just running it and just taking it day by day. Um, if it goes out on me tomorrow, I'll get the engine rebuilt but I'm not getting rid of this truck per se. Like I have the new truck at home. I didn't trade this truck in. I want to, if I get the new truck going, I would like to make this into like a show truck. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, I'm going to keep it. And, but as far as, you know, I'm just running it and just, uh, seeing how it does. I mean, and it's doing great. So, well, yeah, I did see that, um, your, uh, fuel box is in diamond head, Mississippi. Is that, uh, is that where you call home? Oh yeah, yeah. We we moved there after Katrina. We we lost our home and everything else in Katrina, which was mm-hmm. uh, about seven, going on eighteen years ago. Um, and yeah, we bought a home there, and we've been there ever since. It's uh, it's in the same county uh, uh, that we lived in before. But it's just a it's just its own uh, city, and it's okay. still you know still down on the Gulf Coast on Interstate Ten, not far from Gulfport, Mississippi. That time period, 2005, um, you know, you had a you had a five year old truck and, um, you know, obviously uh, you, you dealt with the aftermath of Katrina with that. Can you kind of talk through what that experience was like for you going, you know, how long insurance took to uh, to pay out on the truck and just that whole that whole experience, really? Storm hit October 29th, I mean, August 29th. And I bought this truck. August, September, October, the end of October. I was actually in Springfield, Missouri, buying this truck, uh, like right around Halloween. I think I, I actually signed the papers on it on November 1st. And, uh, so that didn't take very long. I, I have okay. my track, my, I'm a OIDA. I'm a life member of OIDA and I've had my track, all the tractors I've owned insured through them and, uh, their insurance treated me very well, you know, fair on the mm-hmm. truck. And, uh, yeah, I was able to get, I was out of a truck for like, what, two months. And, uh, I just, uh, I couldn't spend, I, I would have liked to special order a truck, but I just felt, you know, I needed to get back to work. And, uh, I just, um, found this truck. It was, I wanted a Detroit. I wanted the 60 series for sure. I wanted the 13 speed overdrive and I wanted the stratosphere sleeper, which is the, the biggest one that Western star makes. And you can stand up in the cab and just kind of walk back. You don't have to duck through right. a hole. And and this truck had uh, had the the main components that I that I wanted in a truck. So uh, uh, Springfield, Missouri, has a dealership called Jenkins Diesel. I, they're still in business in Springfield, and that's where I found this truck in the, you know in the truck paper and and I uh, made the deal and and went up there and got it. And like I said, here's another uh, just uh, in comparison to nowadays. This is a brand new truck, of course. Well, I bought it brand new, mm-hmm. uh, 265-inch wheelbase. You know, owner-operated truck, aluminum wheels, aluminum fuel tanks, stacks, you know, the whole deal. $108,000 out the door, FET included, in 2000, wow. late 2005. Yeah, $108,000. Time to change. At, at least double that now. Yep, at least. At least. Yes, sir. <laughs> Even looking back, the 87 International was 72500 in 1987. Times have changed indeed. Reflecting on that 2005 and later period, too, 
Husty was in the middle of a perfect storm for an upsetting of the apple cart of work-life balance, as it were. Matt asked him just how he managed to navigate all those issues. The house, gone. The truck, gone, but replaced fairly quickly. Not so the house, as you'll hear. We were homeless, and, and we bounced around a little bit. My, we lived with my sister for a little while. Um, her home had just minimal damage. They were out of power for a little bit, and we stayed there. Uh, for, for maybe a couple weeks. Um, we bounced around a little bit. What, what we were waiting on a FEMA camper uh, to come in. You know, you had, to, you had to get in lot. Well, you had to order, put your order in, tell them you, what you, you know, that you needed a, a camp or something to stay in. So waiting for that, we, uh, there was a Christian retreat in Panama City Beach, Florida. We, we, uh, some friends of ours were there and they told us, yeah, you know, you come out here, um, they, you know, they, they feed you, they, uh, they, they put you up, you know, anybody at the evacuees and stuff. So we went over to Panama City Beach and I think we were there a week or two and it was almost like a vacation. Uh, they fed us three meals a day. It, it, the place was set up for a Christian retreat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had like a little, like a little motel room and, uh, yeah, we stayed there. The kids swam in the pool. You know, I, had, I have a, uh, a bunch of kids at that time, and they were able to swim in the pool, have a good time, but uh, just waiting for that uh, uh, FEMA camper to come in. As far as the, the trucking business, I was leased to Landstar at that time. I've been with Landstar. Um, I'm in my 19th year now, and at that time, I had just I started with them in 04. Mm -hmm. The hurricane was, was late 05, so that was no issue you know i i told them everything that was going on and they just kind of put me on hold but i stayed leased to them and it was just a matter of getting a truck and getting back well got back to the county and lived in a fema camp and it was uh me and my wife uh three daughters and two dogs in about a 30-foot fema camp or so you know wow. it was tight it was oh, i could imagine yeah, I think we lived in that for six to eight months, and then we found a house to rent because it was tough. Yeah, you know, everybody was looking for places, so it was hard to find something. And we uh, found a house to rent in 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 Diamond Head, and got there. And I think we rented for six months. We did a six-month contract, and within six months, we we actually bought a house there because we liked it enough to say, let's let's just stay here and move. Yeah, we, we found the house and, and been there ever since. Since his early days of local and regular runs, Hosty today is taking advantage of the Landstar nationwide agent network to maximize income with careful load selection. I'm going pretty much anywhere the money takes him. It's it's basically general freight. I pull I pull my own, you know, fifty three foot drive in. I, I do trade shows when, when when they're available. I do a lot of chemicals. Uh, I'm sitting in Bat well, Denham Springs, Louisiana right now trying to find me. This is a good area to get chemical loads out of. And, uh, I do, you know, a lot of hazmat, but it's, it's just whatever. I'm not locked into any certain thing at all. And I, and I run everywhere, but California, cause California don't like my old truck out there anymore. So can't go out right. there. Yeah. I was going to ask yep. if there's any, any specific lanes that you, that you tend to try to run or if you're just, uh, wherever the money takes you. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And wherever the money takes me, um, I'm typically gone from home between seven to 10 days. You know, I don't stay out real long. 
I can go up north like uh all right, week before last I took a load out of Baton Rouge, a load of uh um uh propane. Um, you know, in a van in my van. It's the the five gallon tanks like you use for barbecue pits and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a load of those up to Boston, Massachusetts and delivered that and the freight was so so cheap up there. Uh just you know, two dollars a mile, two ten, two twenty, and that's gross. You know, I get a percentage of that, and uh, I ended up bouncing seven hundred miles into Ohio to pick up a good paying load that actually brought me back down to uh, Orange, Texas. the The whole route was like six six days. I was gone for like six days, so that's what I mean. I generally ten days is is a stretch for me. The main thing is you need to know your cost. You know. I think a lot of guys just look at, you know, what the revenue is and not so much as much how, how, how many miles is it to make that revenue and we'll book loads that way, where to me, you you just got to know, you know, uh, where your cost per mile is at to know if you're profitable or not. I have a paid for truck. So of course my cost per mile is lower than the guy with a $2,000 a month payment I can run some cheaper freight and still be profitable. But if you don't know your cost, then, then you're really just shooting from the hip, you know? I just don't like running cheaper. Well, we all got spoiled over the last two years, I have to say. You know, the, the trucking industry broke broke records in 21 and 22 for freight rates, and it was a crazy world. You you just you couldn't help but make, make money. And I think uh, – me personally, I got spoiled off of that, and it's hard to come down off of that. You know, it's hard to come imagine. back to reality. Yeah, it's hard to come back to reality of of two dollar mile freight when we was doing four dollar mile freight. Especially with fuel and maintenance costs and everything as high as they are right now. Absolutely. Now with Landstar, we do we do get some pretty good fuel discounts. I have to say that. I uh, I, I feel bad for guys who are actually paying the price. You know, on the pump where. We average fifty to sixty cent uh, lower than that on you know off the the pump price. Mm-hmm. But that's all part of the cost, you know. That's all part of you got to have all that figured in, really. Yeah. So how often do you um, do you reassess your your costs? Uh, is that a, a monthly thing, or um, you know how how often do you look at everything and and figure out what it costs you to move your truck? I'm always looking at fuel costs because that's the, the biggest one and the easiest one to to work on, you know, as I'm going. Right. So that, that's pretty easy. And I just have a general idea in my mind of, of of where I like to be as far as revenue per mile. And then, of course, like a lighter load is always uh, more enticing than a heavier load. Even if the lighter load maybe is paying a little less, it's just uh, – uh, you know, overall, it's just it's just more driver friendly, truck friendly when you can haul something that's lighter, even if it's paying a little less. But I'm not saying I don't do heavy loads too. I just try to get the right money for them. As long as you've been an owner operator, you've you've seen uh, the best and the worst in trucking as far as um, you know business opportunities go. Uh, can you kind of talk about some of yeah. the more challenging times that uh, that you faced through the years, whether it was you know, post Katrina or the two that the recession in 2008, uh, you know, last year and, and this year has been yeah. tough for a lot of people. I, I, I've really been blessed, um, as far as financially. And I just, 
I have to say it's the, the frugal part of me really helped because uh, there's been years, like you said, where we've made a lot of money. Well, even when we make a lot of money, I don't really splurge on anything. I'm not out buying brand new vehicles because I can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I always keep put money aside I, I, and I don't, that's not hard for me to do. And, and I have a wife who is actually pretty thrifty herself. She's not as frugal as me, but she's a good uh, partner with me because she's, uh, you know, she don't mind saving a buck here and there wherever we can. And so I'm glad we're both not as frugal as me because that would probably be a problem, you know? So she's, she's a little more freer with money, but it's not like I got to worry about her going, you know, charging stuff on a credit card or something (laughs) like that. We don't even, we don't even use credit cards. You know, we, we don't, we don't do them. Um, I can remember back, I think it was 08 when things were pretty bad. Um, my truck was paid for, the truck's been paid for for, for many years. So even then, didn't really struggle, but I can remember running a lot cheaper freight than I would ever want to run today just just to be, you know, paying the bills, basically. Yeah, look, looking at dollar fifty mile freight as compared to today, I try to look at two fifty, no less than two fifty three dollars a mile. But um, back then, yeah, it, it got pretty slim, but we were never struggling because again, truck was paid for, and, and we live we live within our means. We, we you know, we're not not that way. So the saving part comes natural for me. So mm-hmm. whatever, but what I do with Landstar is they have a maintenance account and we can put up to 10% of our, of our minus the fuel surcharge is 10% of the line haul in a maintenance account. And uh, that's what I do to have that separate, you know, you know, the old saying, uh, you don't miss it when you don't see it. And that that's very true. So they take that 10% right off the top. And it's in a maintenance account that I have with them and I can get money out of there anytime I need it. And for anything, it doesn't have to be maintenance. Um, generally, I kind of use that as a uh, income for my income tax at the end of mm-hmm. the year. I use, I use that to pay my taxes. But uh, besides that, I just save, you know, we, we, me, my wife and I, we live on a budget as far as our home bills and everything. We've been, we've always budgeted since we were young. And that's how we live. So we meet our budget and whatever's left pretty much goes in the bank. Last year is obviously fresh on everybody's mind. And, and it was a tough year for a lot of operators with, uh, you know, fuel prices going through the roof. And, um, you know, obviously you said Landstar helps, helps out with some discounts and stuff there. But, you know, how did you manage, um, you know, fuel prices and, and other rising costs last year that uh, and, and so far this year, too, that are you know, a lot of owner operators are really, really struggling with. The discount we get is really good. Um, I actually drive for fuel mileage and I'm one of the uh, slower trucks on the road. Basically, I average about 58 miles an hour everywhere I go. I know some people don't like that, but that's, (laughs) that's how I run my business. And I'm getting, I average seven miles to the gallon with the old Western Star, and it's not an aerodynamic truck. So for me, that's pretty impressive. Old Kevin Rutherford, man, I heard him. I started when he first came on the radio, and he he was preaching back in, I think it was 07, about driving slower. You drive slower, you will get better fuel mileage. 
And, you know, I wasn't a speed demon, but I was a, a speed, uh, speed limit driver. If it was 65, I'd be doing 65. Um, and he always said, you're going to get about a mile per, uh, a tenth of a mile per gallon for every mile you slow down. And I, and I thought about that, 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 you know, I had been driving for a while and I, I felt like oh, that, that can't be true. I, I said, I'm going to try this stuff. And I have, uh, I have a computer in my truck, you know, it's built in the dash. It's from the factory to monitor fuel mileage and stuff. So I started slowing down. Well, I got to the speed of about 60 miles an hour, 58 miles an hour to be exact. And I seen the difference in fuel mileage and not only from the computer, but, you know, I actually fill it up and check it that way by the mileage. Mm-hmm. And I was a guy that never got six miles per gallon in any truck I've had driving the speed limit. I never got six. The best I ever did was like a five, seven, five, eight. And I would, I would have never believed that slowing down would make that much of a difference. I run 58 miles an hour. I pull some heavy loads. I pull some light loads. And of course I deadhead if I have to. And my, my yearly average is seven miles per gallon. So I always say, you can't pay me to drive faster. So, you know, the, the fuel prices, of course they hurt us, but Man, with the discounts we get between that good fuel mileage and and um, just uh, trying to you know, of course, trying to pick good loads. Mm-hmm. It, it re- oh, and the fuel surcharge we we do we do get a good fuel surcharge. It it never really hurts because if the fuel, I mean, I don't like seeing the fuel prices go up because it's just not good for our country as in in general. But if the fuel goes up, my surcharge goes up, our discounts seem to go up, and it all kind of averages out. But, uh, you know, again, I'd rather see diesel down around $2 a gallon or so and, and, and not much of a fuel surcharge, and we'd all be better for that. You know, we're a little over three months into 2023. How is uh, How do you feel like business is going so far this year, um, you know, as far as your bottom line goes? Do you feel like you're kind of on par with 2022 or ahead or behind or what are you thinking? No, I'm running behind a little bit. Um, Landstar actually has a, a site we can go on and compare last year to this year. You can do okay. it by the week, by the month, by the quarter. And I'm behind a little bit. But some of that is because I'll stay home for a week, even two weeks, just to, to wait on that good paying load um, because I'm at home rather than take a mediocre load just to be running. So. Right. Yeah, I, I can uh, take a lot of time off just because I'm, you know, waiting for something good. When there's loads on that, that, that you know, I could still be profitable, but I know these, I got a couple agents that I work with in the area that come up with these good paying loads. They're just not real regular. So I'll wait on them and, and just go out. Like to go to Boston, Massachusetts, that's not an area I really crazy about going but it was one of my agents that gets good pay. He pays good. So that gets me to go, you know, definitely. But yeah, this, this year has definitely been uh, tighter, tighter than last year. And, and, you know, and the rates are just in the can right now. That's why I'm sitting here right now. You know, God really blessed me. I, I, I give so much credit to finding an, that owner operator magazine at, at 17 years old. And I had that magazine up until Hurricane Katrina with, you know, a lot of other memorabilia that I had from the old days of trucking, truck brochures, 
I lost all of that. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. that magazine, I had it up until uh, 2005. It just, it just, that was something I had never, you know, I, I was just a kid. I never knew what cost per mile meant, but that article just always stuck with me. And I feel like that's always been just a part of my business to know your cost per mile. And that's just a big thing. And between that and being frugal, uh, I've never really struggled in business as an owner operator. Now I've never made the big bucks. I mean, you know, I know some guys two, 300,000 a year, one truck. I'm not, I've never been there, mm-hmm. but I live comfortable. I, I, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not always about how much you make. It's about how much you keep. And I'd rather make less and keep a bigger percentage than make more and keep a lesser percentage and be running the wheels off my truck. Through all this journey, I've been married to my, my uh, wife of uh, 41 years. Her and I got married right right at the time that uh, we were buying the truck. Um, we were getting married. We, we bought the truck. My first truck in October of 81, we got married November 21st. So we were just, I was eight, uh, 19, she was 18. We were just two kids figuring it out, you know. Right. She, she's been a big part of the journey. Uh, when we were young, she used to ride with me a little bit. But um, the, the the road and, and the trucking life just wasn't for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I wasn't really going over the road per se. I, I hauled, after containers, I hauled bananas for a while for Chiquita. And that was pretty, when you do one of those, it's usually a, like a type of round trip deal. You deliver the bananas, then they reload you, and you got to bring the trailer back to Gulfport, Mississippi. So she, she rode with me back in those days and, and never really, it, it just wasn't for her, you know. And so over the years, she's just pretty much been a, a part-time worker and raising children. We have been foster parents um, for about 35 years. Um, we adopted eight children. We were never able to have our own children. And we went into foster parenting for that reason, just to have a child and experience having a child. And we ended up adopting a very first foster child when he was uh, three years old. He's 34 years old now. But um, we've adopted eight over the years, two boys, six girls. Now, this is not all at once, of course, and stretched out. Um, we've fostered over a hundred children. Of course, you know, there's certain ones that kind of hit you and they come up for adoption and, and that's how we ended up with eight, but mm-hmm. there's some that, that just don't, God don't speak to us. You know, we always say God built our family and I, I have two girls still at home right now. I'm 60 years old. My wife is 60. We have two. We have an 18 year old. She's graduating high school this year, and then we have a 13 year old. And I called them the second round because I, <laughs> I thought I was done. After the first round, I thought we were finished, but God had other plans. Right. So they're the second round girls, and I like to say we're finished now, but I can really never know what God has in store for us, but I kind of hope we finish now, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, I, got, and I, mean uh, with adopt, I mean with adopting children. I don't mean with, fo- my wife still likes to foster, still wants to do that. So I, I don't mean fostering. I just mean adopting the kids for, mm-hmm. our, for our own. Work-life balance, again, no doubt. Here's a big thanks to owner-operator Jay Hosty for his time. He's our April Chucker of the Month, as noted earlier. 
putting him in the running for our 2023 Trucker of the Year Award. Congrats on that nod, for sure. You can enter your own one to three truck business or put forward an exceptional owner-operator you know who's well-deserving via the nomination form at overdriveonline.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening. And if you haven't, leave Overdrive Radio a rating or review there. No doubt it helps interested owners find the podcast. Again, two, got an answer to that question of the most pressing work-life balance issue you face throughout your career? Dial into our podcast message line at 615-852-8530 for a chance to win that Cobra 19 Mini CB. And I do hope you'll join myself, the fine folks that sponsor Best Pass, and Adam Wingfield and Jason Cowan, May 23rd. Hope to see you there. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of trucker-songwriter long-haul Paul Marhofer. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis the Snake Man himself, Lemmick, Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishomingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Mr. Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, who heard from today, social media coordinator Holly Young, executive editor Alex Lockie, and video editors Lawson Rudisil and Andrew Gwynn. See you next week.